Welcome back to GEMS with Genesis Amaris Kemp. With me today is Andrew Weiss. And here's a bit about Andrew. He's no stranger to podcasting. From barely, from barely being able to run profitable events to co-breaking a Guinness World Record for world's largest virtual podcasting event in one week, Andrew has learned what it takes to monetize brands and events and is here to teach you the same. And without further ado, let's welcome Andrew Weiss to the platform. Ooh, happy to be here. Thanks for hosting, Genesis. Thank you so much, Andrew. And you gave me the bare minerals in your bio. So tell me, who else is Andrew Weiss? What do you have going on on the forefront as well as behind the scenes? Yeah, the, Andrew Weiss, I'd say, is entrepreneur extraordinaire, always, always staying busy, always has something going on. And currently, yeah, I'm working with uh, PodFest as their chief marketing officer and consultant to making sure that they keep running successful, profitable events with uh, lots of attendees and hopefully continue to break uh, some world records as the years keep coming and coming. Um, so yeah, I, I grew up in Oregon my whole life and I recently moved out to New York East Coast because a pretty lady convinced me to come out there <laughs> and uh, been here for a few months now. And it's awesome being able to work full-time as a virtual entrepreneur. And I essentially... Yeah, I work with PodFest. I do my own uh, speaking and sales coaching and also own an ATM for a passive income source and just looking to constantly help other people get the financial and lifestyle freedom that they want as well. That is amazing. So how did you get introduced to PodFest? Were you already running your own podcast or did Chris Comenso just tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, I think you'll be great. I want you to come um, partner with me and here, here's my idea and let's see how we could really collaborate, build a partnership and take it further. Yeah, so when I first became a full-time entrepreneur in October, 2019, you know, I was kind of struggling a little bit to get my business up and going. And then I thought, you know what, what I love doing is bringing people together in, in an event space. And so I did my own event called Fight the Fluff. And I called it that because I was tired of speakers coming in and talking, but not actually saying anything. And I'm sure we've all heard those type of speakers before who they, they either A, either talk about themselves the whole time or talk about why their topic is important without actually giving actionable, tangible advice. And so I brought in, I want to say 30 plus speakers for my event. And based on the success of the event, one of the speakers actually introduced me to Chris because I used the platform Whova which really is an amazing virtual event platform. Uh, for those listening, Genesis is actually usually always on the leaderboard and winning the competitions and engaging with people. And essentially, because of my knowledge of Whova, because of um, sharing similar values of wanting to bring actionable, tangible content from amazing speakers, um, I got introduced to Chris Kremitzos to then uh, put on PodFest. And at the time, uh, it was August 2020, and the you know what was going on. And so everyone was stuck at home. And Chris is a big visionary believer and he knew this was a great time to bring everyone together. And I was essentially his right-hand man to help uh, execute everything and help him make it all happen. And a few months later, Guinness World Record certified us as the world's largest virtual podcasting event in one week with 5,003 people. Congratulations, because what you, Chris and Wendy, Wendy is the third person, right? 
Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. What y'all do for PodFest and just bringing people together is amazing. And I actually stumbled across PodFest on Facebook and I was like, what the heck is PodFest? Because I was new to the game, didn't really know about um, podcasting, but I just knew that I wanted to talk into the mic to help people, especially coming from a corporate background and being forced into entrepreneurship because, you know, I got laid off from oil and gas. I'm based in Texas and it came one week after my dad passed. And after my dad passed, I found out that I was being laid off, but then they realized that they needed someone to offload the training since I was the only one working on the North American growth project team for polyethylene. So then they kept me on to train somebody else. And I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. But here I am talking to you, Andrew, who wow. is a serial entrepreneur. You've broken records along with Chris and Wendy. You own a, you said that you own an ATM for passive income and mm -hmm. then you do sales coaching. So walk us through what does the rest of your day look like whenever you aren't really doing PodFest stuff and you're tapping into your other entrepreneurial endeavors and what type of advice would you give someone who is aspiring to do that, but maybe they're afraid because depending on how we grow up, our family members tell us go to school, uh, get a good job. And then that's all. And they teach you how to be a good employee, but being a good employee does not work these days. Mm -hmm. Well, well, I, I would say each person's different. Everyone has different preferences and what they want, what they're good at, what they desire. And, and really, you know, being an entrepreneur, because it's a, it's a capitalistic endeavor where being an entrepreneur, there is a lot of risk to it. And there's also a risk to being an employee. So as you, as you experienced yourself, you said you got laid off or fired. And so th there really is a risk to everything. And some people want to risk um, being an entrepreneur. Some people want to risk being an employee. And I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting to be an employee because, you know, it, it can be more comforting. It can be more secure. Um, you don't have to worry about being um, proactive as much because for the most part, you can get told what to do all day and then it's uh, less uh, stress on your brain because it's just easy to focus on something. But for me, going back to it, I, I want people to do what they want to do. And if they do want to be an entrepreneur, if they do want that financial freedom, I want them to know that they do have the resources and skill sets and assets in front of them to, to get where they want to go and succeed as fast as possible. And so I do love helping people who either want to become entrepreneurs or want to become better entrepreneurs because I have a passion for it. Um, my father is an entrepreneur and I got to learn at a young age that it is possible to make as much money as you want, to not have a limit to it, to work whatever hours of the day you want to work without uh, having to work nine to five every single day, no matter what, for like you said, 50 years and retiring. But so first, I do want to say that it is okay to want to be an employee. And, I, and of course, I'm a bigger fan of being an entrepreneur. And I would say the top mistake that entrepreneurs make is from that freaking movie, uh, Field of Dreams, where they say, oh, if you build it, they will come. <laughs> and I say it's a top mistake because people assume, oh, if I just um, make a Facebook post or put a sign out that um, people can start buying my products for um, tens or hundreds or thousands of dollars, then people, obviously people are going to buy it. And they assume that without doing market research, they assume that without actually surveying people, they assume it without actually testing the market a few times before spending thousands of dollars or something and crossing their fingers and hope that people can buy it to then make sure they get profit. 
So I would say that's the first thing is that if you want to be an entrepreneur and you have an idea for something, please make sure it's tested. Please make sure that you know that's going to be profitable. And if you're currently working a full-time job, um, I recommend um, starting an entrepreneur endeavor on the side. And then once that is making just as much money, if not more, that's when you can leave your full-time job. Because um, a classic example, uh, Phil Knight, uh, who actually started Nike, and I'm sure a lot of people here have heard of Nike, one of the largest uh, shoe product brands in the world. He actually worked a full-time job as an accountant and lived with, with his parents until he was at least, I want to say 35, uh, maybe even 40 years old. Um, just because he knew the importance of really having that stable cash flow that entrepreneurship can't always bring. So I, I know this was a, a fire hose of info I just said, because there's lots, lots of layers to being an entrepreneur and making sure you're successful at it. But, but I would say, um, you know, when it comes to being an entrepreneur is pick something you're A, either passionate about or, or B, you know, is profitable. Um, and then also make sure you have a, a coach, a mentor, a guide along the way who can show you to make sure you know what you're doing and not try and bang your head against the wall saying, what the heck am I doing? Like have someone help guide you on the way. And I'm of course happy to throw my ring in the hat for that. And I'm sure um, if, I'm happy to refer you to other people as well. Um, and then see, you know, stay persistent, keep analyzing, keep reading, keep studying, and just become obsessed with the success of being an entrepreneur. And then the success has to come your way. Those are amazing um, tips, Andrew. And I like how you broke each one of them down. And then I'm just going to speak on this for a bit. What really helped me was having that door closed. I wasn't fired. I was laid off. And I thought that job was, you know, it. I thought I was going to stay there because I actually liked what I was doing once I began to climb the corporate ladder. But after seven and a half years and the struggles of starting over in my career from the bottom, where I went from being an HSC manager, so health, safety, and environmental manager for a smaller corrosion company, to working for a Fortune 500 company, where I had all this technical experience and knowledge that I was bringing in, but I had to start at the bottom as an administrative assistant. Then I went on to a raw material coordinator, but that taught me how to work with people. It taught me vendor management because I was controlling all the raw material components that went into making PP, which is polypropylene, so a form of plastics. Then from there, I went on to trade regulations and compliance coordination for polyethylene, which is another commodity. And I got comfortable, but it wasn't until I was being forced via a layoff since oil and gas prices were not really conducive due to the, the pandemic and other things that the layoff came. But it was the best thing that could have happened to me because it forced me further into entrepreneurship and it helped me accentuate my core values. And it made me realize why am I trading my time for money? And now I have more controls in my wheelhouse. And if I choose to go back into corporate, it would be strategically because I'm going back to build up my cash flow while funneling that cash flow into things that are going to produce more income. Because I'm all about having multiple streams of income. And I like to tell young people, because I'm only 30 years old, is that you have to be wise. I say be wise as a serpent, but harmless as a dove. And don't allow people to place you in a box because when they place you in a box, you start to get comfortable and complacent. And when you get comfortable and complacent, you're not dreaming big and you're not stretching yourself. So you have to ask yourself, what gifts and talents do I have? And how can I accentuate that to monetize brands like you're doing, Andrew, to have profitable income, to have passive income? Because now 
nowadays, you can't put all your eggs in one basket, metaphorically speaking. And if you haven't learned anything from the pandemic, it's that jobs are not secure as they were. We're now in a period called the Great Resignation, where there are numerous people that are leaving their jobs because they realized whenever everything was shut down, there was so much that they learned about themselves. There was other ways of making money. They didn't have to be capped at certain salaries and they could go beyond the extra mile doing things that were conducive for their personal and professional growth while still spending time with family. And that time you're not gonna get back because we all have the same amount of time. And if you are busy doing modern day slavery, slaving at someone else's job, what are you doing for yourself to build that brand, leave that legacy and have a sturdy foundation? So Andrea, when you, you mentioned that your dad was an entrepreneur and you had a open eyes at entrepreneurship at a young age, how has that impacted you? And was that what you needed in order to really jump into your entrepreneurship journey or did you go to work and then realize that it wasn't for you? <laughs> no, that's a good question. And, and first I want to touch on the, the moment you talked about trading time for money. And I, I will say that is actually another huge mistake that people make. And, and sometimes I fall into sometimes too, but the people who trade time for money aren't the ones who are going to end up being super successful and wealthy is that you get is that you, you understand you get actually get paid based on the value that you bring to something versus the time that you bring. And so um, a classic example is let's, let's say uh, you're working at McDonald's. I don't know why McDonald's came to him, but uh, it's, a, it's a company that everyone knows. You can either a clock in and clock out and get paid the 15, 16, maybe 20 hours and $20 an hour to uh, flip burgers and do the cash register and clean the store or you could go to the sales manager of the region and say, hey, how can I help bring in extra sales into this company? And the extra sales that I bring in, I get a percentage of that. And that's a lot more profitable, a lot more beneficial than just uh, clocking in, clocking out each day. So I encourage everyone, and that's actually something I learned just in the past couple of years, the importance that people pay for results and the value you bring, not just for the time that you spend with them. And a classic example is that there's a copywriter I read on a website somewhere where I think he charges like $300 an hour to, to meet with him. And then his copy to encourage you to book a, a call with him, he says, but also if I, if I solve your problem in the first two minutes of our conversation, why do we need to talk the rest of the 58 minutes? <laughs> so it, just kind of keeping that perspective that um, focus on the value you bring to people, not just the time that you're, you're clocking in and clocking out with. And as far as my own entrepreneurship journey, um, yeah, I definitely was that classic kid who would sell lemonade on the, the street corner when I was a kid and have a lot of fun doing that. Um, I also was the guy who would sell chips during recess at a school lunch in middle school, but I went to a private school and they banned me from doing that for, for whatever reason. Um, I, I should have kept uh, fighting that and going after it, but I, back in the day when you're uh, 12, 14 years old, you give up easily on things, but alas, I, I was still that guy. And then I was actually um, president of the business club at my high school I went to. And while I was president of the business club, I actually got invited to attend a business camp for high schoolers. And it was called the Young Entrepreneurs Business Camp. And they taught you how to start your own business, how to pitch to investors, how to work in teams. We got to meet people around the entire state of Oregon. And I loved it so much that I actually ended up interning for them and working for them for three years. 
And that's actually what gave me lots of public speaking and sales experience is that I, I got paid to travel and speak around the entire state of Oregon, gave over a thousand presentations in three years. We actually hit that seven figure mark on the nonprofit. Um, and so it was a super exciting time that not only was I being entrepreneurial with uh, still starting my own business on the side, but also teaching other people professional entrepreneurship skills that they had no idea what that what, what entrepreneurship even was like when, whenever I was in high school, middle school, my dad, my, uh, my friends and, and people asked me, what did my dad do? I said, oh, entrepreneurship. They're, they would always give me that one eyebrow raise. Like, what, what is that kind of thing? Um, so it's definitely been, been interesting. And then I'm, once again, very fortunate. I grew up in an environment where I knew entrepreneurship was even possible at a young age. Because I know some people don't realize that you don't have to work for 60 years just to retire and, and for 10 years that you can live your the best life you can today with the right mindset and guidance and uh, strategies of, of wealth generation. I like, I like that. And I like that whenever you went to work for that company for three years, you were building up your personal brand and you were also building up your professional brand and the skills that you acquired allowed you to be successful in what you're doing now and sometimes you have to start somewhere so I like that you walked us through that journey Andrew and whenever you think about running profitable virtual events and now face-to-face because PodFest y'all had a face-to-face event what were some of the hard things that you had to work through and how have those hard things, you know, taught you a valuable lesson? Oh, so, so the question is, what are the difficult things of running a virtual or, or in-person event? Yes. And how have those difficult things or hard situations taught you a valuable lesson? Um, yeah, so just like with any event, really, the, the, the most difficult thing is always um, getting butts in seats, <laughs> um, get, getting people to actually show up. And what I like to tell people that when it comes to recruiting for events, um, be expected to put in 10x the effort and work that you would expect in order to get the results that you want. So if you want to get 100 people to come to your events um, and pay for it, you better put in the effort and work to uh, go after 1,000 people. And now granted, if you want 100 people to come for free, that's a lot easier than getting to pay for it. So I'd say it's always the toughest part is understanding that, uh, yes, it is obviously, well, not obviously, but it can be quote unquote difficult to put together the video team, to book the venue, to set up the sponsor booths, to, to coordinate with the sponsors. Uh, and I would say too, but in the events world, especially with PodFest, um, is that ticket sales actually don't help finance um, uh, us putting together these huge events that sponsors are actually a huge part of it, of uh, helping to finance the events. So we're very grateful and, and very lucky to um, be able to have amazing sponsors who wanna see so many people succeed and get, get uh, able to help subsidize the cost of tickets for people to show up to the event in the first place. So when it comes to profitable events, yeah, the most difficult thing is getting um, enough sponsors to help finance it. And of course, to get enough people to want to sign up and attend and show up in the first place. Um, and so I'd say that that's a lesson learned and it can be applied to any business, any situation that whatever result you want, um, just be prepared to put in 10x the effort. And that concept actually comes from uh, Grant Cardone, the 10x rule. And I haven't read the book yet, but I heard that was a summary of the book and it, it makes a lot of sense. And it's, it's rang true for our results as well is, um, yeah, just be, be tenacious about it and, uh, and shoot higher than your actual goal to get your actual goal. 
He's been in a few um, amazing rooms on Clubhouse, Grant, um, sharing some of his wisdom. And I'm like, wait, is this really Grant Cardone? And then you listen and you're like, oh, it's really him. And it, it's been inspiring to just listen to him talk. And I also like that you said you have to put in 10 10 times the work in order to see the results because sometimes people from the outside looking in they see all the success that you have but they never go deep diving to see how you had to start because there's always a start ugly moment there's always things that you have to do behind the scenes in order to be successful and then your dream team because all people who are successful have a dream team um, and they tell you your top five people so correct me if you if you disagree your banker, you should have a really good relationship with your banker or your accountant. Your legal team, do you have a lawyer on retainer that will fight for you no matter what the case may be? Marketing, and I don't know why, but marketing sometimes whenever you look at corporations, those are the roles that first go because people are like, why do I need to spend money on marketing if I'm not making money? Well, you need people to still get your brand out there and people who are already SMEs, subject matter experts. Outside of marketing, IT, what happens whenever your systems go down? Are you going to be able to fix it? No, because if you don't have an IT background, you don't know what they do day in or day out. And then the other person is your assistant because that assistant holds everything together like glue. Whether you have a part-time assistant or a full-time assistant, whether you have a face-to-face -face assistant or a virtual assistant. And I hate, and I'm just gonna be really transparent. Coming from being an assistant, we often get overlooked and severely underpaid. But, it, but then whenever people realize if you're not at work that day, your lunches aren't going to come on time. You may not you may not know where your meetings are in it or anything like that. So assistants help keep everything running like a well-oiled machine and they need to get credit. And I always give credit back to administrative assistants, personal assistants or executive assistants because that job is not easy and there's so many things that go involved in that. So those are the top 5 people that I like to say makes up a dream team. And I've heard other people say the same. Would you agree or disagree, Andrew? Oh, I 100% agree. And um, I'm not sure, did, did you mention the salesperson in there as well? Is so that, Marketing uh, and sales, they, they can be grouped together. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I'd say, yeah. Because um, you know, when, when I listen to other entrepreneurship podcasts and books, and they, they say, you know, your first hires as a CEO of a company should always be how can you keep driving in more sales? How can you keep bringing in the, the, the money? Because of course, um, if you don't have money, you can't afford the accountant. You can't afford the legal team. You can't afford the assistance. So really make sure you have those sales processes in place as well. And an analogy I like too is, uh, I, was, I was hearing about a story where a dentist, you know, he was starting to build his business. And so what he would do is he'd do door-to-door -door knocking um, to help get more clients for his, his dentist practice. And eventually it got so popular and so big that he actually had a wait list going for people wanting to get into his, his practice. And even though he had a wait list going, he still did the discipline of knocking door to door to keep that consistent clients um, coming in to make sure um, it goes back to, you know, just like there's a time to plant seeds and there's a time to harvest. And if you only plan for that time to harvest versus the time to plant seeds, then you're going to miss out on the next harvest cycle the, the next time around. So 
I like that attitude that no matter how successful your business is, no matter how well it's going, stick to the basics, keep that lead generation coming in and make sure that you have that consistency of um, having people always want to pay you and work with you at all times. And Andrew, as we wind down, because I want to be respectful of your time, what are one or two gems that you would like to leave with the listeners and viewers? And remember, the core mission and pillars are to educate, inspire, and motivate here on GEMS. Yeah, two gems I would say is whenever you want to do something, find someone who's already done it and ask them what it takes to do it. Um, Obviously, taking your skill sets and your knowledge and your expertise into play. And I would say another gem is just because you haven't done something before doesn't mean you can never do it. And so whether you've never run a marathon before, whether you've never hit a hundred thousand dollars in a year before or a million dollars in a year before, doesn't mean you can't do it is just um, put that belief into yourself. Um, get that team, like you said, behind you, people who believe in you can help guide you along the way and, and get, get it going, get the people going. Amazing. And close us out with telling the listeners and viewers, once again, who you are, how they could connect with you on social media and your call to action. And thank you again, Andrew, for being here. Yeah, you're so welcome. So you can find me on social media, on Facebook or Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, whatever platform you use the most. I always check all my messages and you can find me at the Andrew J. Weiss. And you can also check out my website, weisswisdom.com, and you can uh, get a free guide on a virtual summit checklist. Um, Genesis is going to put the link in the show notes and would love to hear from you and help you accordingly. And there you have it, listeners and viewers of GEMS with Genesis Amaris Kemp. You just heard Andrew Weiss, and we unpack a lot of things that he's doing as a serial entrepreneur. And until we chat next time, peace love, and lots of blessings. Have yourself an amazing day and carpe diem. Seize the day because greatness is inside of you and you need to tap into your full potential and walk out your purpose.